0: Just thinking this morning, I'm so glad it hasn't snowed at Ebor in the last uh, few days, which often can this time of year. I'm glad the wind's not blowing a gale, and that uh, uh, yet well, that doesn't mean the water's going to be warm. But anyway, at least the sun's shining, so that's nice. Acts chapter eight. Acts chapter eight, and we're going to look in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning that as believers we can come together to spend some time in your word. And Lord, we thank you for your word that you gave unto us via divine inspiration. Father, we might have in our possession the inspired, infallible word of God. Thank you, Father God, you gave it unto us that you might reveal yourself to us. You might reveal, Father God, our condition to ourselves. You might reveal, your Father, your Son, the Saviour, so that we might be saved. And that, Father, you might reveal your will, and we thank you for that. We pray this morning, as we take your word, we open it up, that, Lord, we might, from this passage, glean those things you for us, that our hearts might be challenged and might be encouraged, and that, Lord, you might bless as we study your word together. Just guide our time now in your word, we pray. Give me wisdom, I pray, from on high. Enable me, Father, to speak your word in truth this morning. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in Acts chapter 8 and verses 26 to 40, we have probably what's one of the more familiar stories of the book of Acts. The story of the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip the Evangelist is directed by the Lord to leave Samaria where a great revival is taking place, and directed by the Lord to, to a road where he would meet with this Ethiopian. In Acts chapter 8, and verse 26, it says, And the angel of the Lord came to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, under the way that it goeth down from Jerusalem under Gaza, which is deserts.'" We know that Philip arose and went without objecting, without such as asking, What business have I there? Or, what likelihood is there of doing good there? He went out, not knowing where he was going or who he was going to meet. And Philip and the eunuch are brought together by the Lord here on the road in the deserts from Jerusalem to Gaza. And Philip meets with this, young, with this man, being sent to the Lord. And he meets him in his chariots, and he meets the Ethiopian, a sinner who needs a Savior. And here we see, first of all, a ready witness in verses 26 to 30. We know, firstly, here, Philip's desire was to do the will of God. In verses 26 to 27, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza." which is desert, and he rose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had, in char- had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. We find that it's verse 27 says, and he rose and went. He had a desire to do the will of God, and so doing, when God says to him, I want you to leave Samaria where there's a great revival taking place. Souls are getting saved. Much has been accomplished. Philip, the evangelist, has seen the hand of God mighty to work. Philip doesn't even question when God says to him, I want you to go down. It simply says, Philip arose and went. He was obedient to the will of God. In verse 9, we read, Then the Spirit saith unto Philip, Go near to join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him. Let him read the prophet Isaiah and say unto him, understand what thou readest. He ran. So Here's Philip. He has been taken from the ministry in Samaria. He has made his way down to to the desert between Jerusalem and Gaza. And when he sees a chariot in the distance, God says to him, go to the chariot. He runs to the chariot. Here we see Philip's willingness to do the will of God. You know, we might have, Thought that Philip would have objected to leaving the great success for work in Samaria. To go down to a desert to meet with one man seems kind of a, a waste of resources when it comes to the ministry of this evangelist. He's doing a great work in Samaria. But to go down to a desolate place to meet with one man seems somewhat bizarre. You would think that Philip would have argued with God about, but he doesn't. Go back to chapter uh, chapter 4 and verse 8. And we read this. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ unto them and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken palsies and they that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. This is what he's asked to live. He's in Samaria. He's seen miracles happen. He's seen those sick of the palsy being uh, to walk. And he's seen others, the lame walk, and others healed. And he's seen demons cast out of people. And he's seen souls get saved. He's seen the whole town of Samaria uh, in joy and excitement about what's happening. And God says, I want you to leave all the excitement, leave all this work, and I want you to go down to a desert. And remember, when he leaves, he doesn't even know why he's going to the desert. But when he gets there, he finds he's to meet one man. And you would have thought that he may have well complained, that Philip may well have protested about. But you know, God had a plan in it all. And because Philip was willing to do God's will, he's submissive to God's plan for his life. It means leaving Samaria and going down to a desert place. He's willing to do the will of God. Do you know, Philip is more than willing, he's also qualified to go and do this great work. You know, he was a godly man, he was a tested man, he was an obedient man. He knew the word of God, and he was ready to give an answer to every man that asked of him. The reason the hope was in him with meekness and fear. In fact, if you go back to Acts chapter 6, in verse 5, find the first mention of him regarding ministry here back in Acts chapter 6, where they choose. These deacons says in verse five of Acts chapter six. uh, Sorry, chapter uh, verse three of Acts chapter six says, "Wherefore, brethren, looking at among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom you may appoint over this business." And one of the ones they appoint is Philip. Okay, and Philip is one of the men who are who are full of the Holy Ghost. Here is a man that God is using mightily because he's a man who is full of the Holy Ghost. He's a man who is indeed qualified Task. He's a man who loves the Lord. He's a man who is serving the Lord faithfully in Samaria. Souls are getting saved. God's doing a great work through him. And now he goes down to the desert. You know, the Lord today is still looking for ready and willing men and women who will share their faith with the unsaved. You know, God simply wants you and I to be ready and He wants you and I to have a desire to see the unsaved saved and that you and I are willing to be used of to be a witness for Him, whether that be in a group or whether that be one-on-one, but that God would use us to His glory that souls might be saved. You know, enthusiasm in the work of God is rare, is a rare thing for many today. Believers just don't have a passion for the things of the Lord like they ought, but if souls to be saved... If lives are it had changed, then we need a real passion for the lost like Philip had. You know, it didn't matter to Philip whether it was in the city of Syria and there was hundreds, maybe even thousands that he was preaching to, or whether it be one man on the road to, Damascus, on the road to, to Gaza, it made no difference to Philip. He was happy to preach to hundreds if that's what God wanted, but he was also happy to witness to one if that's what God wanted, because every soul was important to him just as it is to God. And the business of every believer is to preach Jesus Christ. And if souls will be saved, then you and I need a real passion for the lost, just like Philip. And to do that, we must first know God. And we must know the Word of God. And then we must be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks. The reason that hope is in us with meekness and fear, As Peter tells in 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 15, we be ready always. We're to be equipped, we're to, we're to know the Word of God, we know the Word, we know the Word of God, and you and I need to be ready day by day, moment by moment, to share the gospel, to share uh, uh, the, the passion on our heart, which is the soul we be saved, that you and I testify for Jesus Christ whenever God gave us the opportunity that you and I be ready and willing. we be a ready witness for Jesus Christ. I wonder how many times we miss the opportunity to witness for Him because we're not ready to witness. You and I need to be ready to be a witness for Jesus Christ, just like Philip. Secondly, we see an inquiring sinner. An inquiring sinner, look in verse 28. It says, uh, it says here that uh, this Ethiopian was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit said to Philip, go near and join thyself to the chariot and ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And said unto him, Understand as thou what thou readest. He said, How can I accept a man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture she read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. Like him was dumb before her shearer, she opened not her mouth. You no, know, she opened not, sorry, he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare this gener- his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the answer Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet this, of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. This road to Gaza, this desert road between Jerusalem and Gaza, Philip encounters the Ethiopian. Now this Ethiopian is obviously a proselyte to Judaism. He's been up to Jerusalem to worship. Okay, that's what verse 27 says. It says that he had come to Jerusalem to worship. So obviously he is a proselyte to Judaism. He's an Ethiopian. He's from Africa, northern Africa. And he he has gone up to Jerusalem to worship. So obviously, somewhere in the line, he has come to understand Judaism. He's come to understand what it means uh, to worship God in Jerusalem. And he's gone up to Jerusalem to worship God. He's a proselyte. And he's returning from Jerusalem. And he's reading... The Bible. Now, this Ethiopian who's unnamed here was undoubtedly a successful man. Because verse 27 says this of him And he arose and went, and he called a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had in charge of all her treasure. This was no mean man. This man was a man of importance. He was a high ranking official in the. Uh, Uh, household of Candace the queen he is a a very successful man he very uh, powerful man in many ways because of who he is he comes with great he has great authority and yet his success obviously didn't answer all the questions he has in his life You know, when it comes to the world, this man was a successful man. This man had all that he needed. He had what was required of him. He's gone up to Jerusalem to worship, and he's going back, and he's in a chariot, and you can imagine he's not on his own. He's with an entourage, traveling back to Ethiopia, where he's going to take up his duties of serving Candace, the queen of the Opians, in the role that he's in, looking after the finances. He's a high-ranking official in her government. And yet all that success and all that power and all that authority does not make happy. Doesn't answer all the questions he has in life. He knew that he needed some real spiritual answers. And he was seeking God for those answers. And even though he's a convert to Judaism and even though he's been up to Jerusalem to worship and even though he's been to the temple and he's gone through the rituals and he's given up the sacrifices and he's done things that he's done, he still has within his heart a holiness, a that has not yet been filled. The answers that he has have not been answered. The questions he has have not been answered. And he's struggling with what, what life is about. And here's a man who has lots of questions, but he has no answers. as Philip draws near the chariots, he hears this man reading from Isaiah 53. The place of the scripture which he read, verse 32, was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. Like a lamb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. His humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? He's reading the book of Isaiah. Hitting the right chapter if he wants to know how to get saved. He's reading the right chapter in the book of Isaiah. He's reading about the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Isaiah. The Ethiopian was hungry for the word. And we know he's hungry for the word, for typically the scroll would have cost a lot of money. For him to have in his possession a scroll of the Old Testament means that he has expended a lot of money to purchase that scroll. That's how hungry this man is for the things of the Lord. That's how hungry he is for answers. He has spent some of his hard-earned money to purchase one of these scrolls. They're handwritten. They've taken many, many hours to write. These are not cheap manuscripts. They've cost a lot. We don't know how much he's paid for the scroll. But obviously his passion answers is such that it's motivated him to spend great expense to get the scroll. We also see about this man that God has already prepared his heart to receive the wit Philip. Because as Philip pr- approaches the chariot as we're going to see and Philip asks him the question the Ethiopian eunuch has an really answer He's already uh, as God's already preparing his heart, maybe that's been prepared in Jerusalem. But it certainly has been heard now in the cherries He's reading the book of Isaiah. And beloved, when we obey God's leading, we can be sure of this, that God will go before us, and God will open the way for us. You know, Pastor Ken will remind us that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God desires for all men and women to be saved. There's not a man or a woman, a boy or a girl that you and I meet in every day of our life, that God does not want to save. There is nobody out there who's unsaved that God doesn't want to save. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He wants them all to be saved. So when you and I pray, Lord, lead me to some soul this day. Teach me, Lord, just what to say. Friends of mine are lost in sin. Lord, teach me today. God will indeed lead us and take us and teach us. And God will give us opportunity. You see, if you and I are like Philip, a ready witness, and you and I are willing to go, then God will prepare the ground before we go to give us opportunity to witness, like He did for Philip. Now, Philip puts a fair question to the Ethiopian in verse 30. He says unto him, "Understandest thou what thou readest?" Because you see, it's extremely important for the unsaved, it's even important for you and I, that when you read the Word of God, you understand the Word of God, if the Word of God is going to have an impact upon your life. And it's certainly true for the unsaved, and they hear and understand the Word of God, they'll not be saved. And the Ethiopian replies here to Philip in verse 31, he says, how can I accept some man should guide me? Now this is where all the unsaved must start with inquiring about Christ. See, the inquiring sinner needs to understand that what he needs is for somebody to explain to him how he can have that need met. You know, the unsaved needs to first of all realize they have a need. I mean, you and I can go and you and I can preach the gospel and you and I can share the word of God with the unsaved. But unless God reveals to them in their heart they have a need, then they're never going to get saved. They need to realize they're sinners, lost and on their way to hell with their Christ. That their way to sin is death. That all of sinned and come short sure of the glory of the non-righteous. No, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that have to God. The unsaved need to realize that they have a need. And this is where all unsaved need to start. We need to understand there's a need, and you and I need to pray that God will give us wisdom that we might reveal to them that they have a need. You know, the problem with the vast majority of people in Australia today, when it comes to being unsaved, is they don't realise that they have a need for the saviour. Now, most people realize they have an emptiness in their hearts. There's something they're looking for. There's something to all that need. They're looking for it somewhere, either in entertainment or whether it be in the end of the bottle or maybe in some drugs that they're taking, designer drugs or whatever it might be, or illegal drugs. They're taking them all, and what they're trying to do is to fill the void in their life. There is something missing, but they don't understand that need is not a need for external things. That need is for the Savior within their heart. And you and I need to pray that we'd have opportunity to show, show men and women their need, that they need the Savior, that they're lost and dying on the way to hell and they need to be saved. And I don't know, maybe there's somebody here this morning who doesn't know Jesus Christ, their Savior. What you need today is to understand that you're lost and dying on your way to hell, that you are a sinner before a holy God. And a consequence of that is that you are condemned for eternity without Christ unless you turn to Him and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved like the Ethiopian was. The Bible makes it clear we've all sinned none of us deserve to go to heaven none of us deserve eternal life but if we want to go to heaven of eternal life we want our sins forgiven then jesus christ is the answer but you need to understand first and foremost you have a need that need is jesus christ so the ethiopian starts we're all unsaved need to start he understands he has a need He's inquiring here how can I understand except a man guide me but you know the inquiring sinner who has a need also needs a ready and prepared preacher to answer the questions someone to answer his need you see the Bible clearly tells us how shall they hear without a preacher And the unsaved have a need and that need is Jesus Christ and they're lost to die on the way to hell and there's nothing they can do to save themselves. They have a need. God has the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. He's not willing that any should all should come to repentance. He wants to save all mankind and will save all who will believe. needs a ready and willing preacher. But how shall they hear without a preacher? God needs some Phillips today who be willing to run to a chariot and say to the unsaved, understandest what thou needest and explain Christ under them. And Philip is filled and guided by the Holy Spirit and begins at the same scripture, says in verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Because Jesus is the answer. You see, the preacher of the gospel needs to know that the gospel is the only thing that can save. He needs to understand that like Philip, if we're going to share salvation with the unsaved, then we must share Christ. You and I must know the gospel. We must know the Savior. We must know what it means to be saved so that when we go and share as the ready preacher, the unsaved who are needing the Savior, that you and I share with them Jesus Christ. Because there is no salvation apart from Christ Acts 4.12 makes it clear neither is a salvation any other for there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved there is only one name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved and that's the name of Jesus and when you and I go forth and we pray that God would lead us to some soul when we have opportunity to witness we need to share with them Jesus Christ for Christ is the answer we need to begin at the same place and reveal unto them Jesus. That's what the Ethiopian did. He took the word of God out of Isaiah 53 and he revealed to the Ethiopian that Jesus Christ is the one who died. He was the one who was bruised for our transgressions. He was the one who died in our place. He was the one who was taken and, and crucified for us. It's Jesus Christ. He is the answer. I'm not the answer. The church is not the answer. Good work's not the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. So there's a ready witness. And there was a uh, inquiring sinner. You see an obedient convert in verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture to preach unto him Jesus. As they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. The answer said, I believe in Jesus, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. An obedient convert. Your faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans tells us. And it's certainly true here of the Ethiopian eunuch. We have demonstrated for us the fact of Romans The faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As the Ethiopian eunuch reads the word of God, as Philip explains to him Christ in the word of God, the the Ethiopian eunuch has faith in God. And faith came by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The eunuch heard the gospel of Philip and believed and was saved. It's probable that the eunuch had heard at Jerusalem all about Christ. It's possible that he may already, as he's as he's gone around Jerusalem, as he's gone there to worship, and he's gone there to worship, it's possible that he's heard around the, the traps about Christ. I mean, that was one of the major events that's just happened not that long ago. That Jesus Christ has died and was crucified. And that his disciples are saying that he was buried and he rose again the third day. And maybe he's heard of, Jesus Christ and maybe he's heard of the testimony even of some Christians in Jerusalem. But whatever, God's been working in his heart and now he has him explained to him fully and he believes. And it's as he studies the word of God and as he sees Christ in the word, he realizes his need of the Savior. As he has Christ explained to him fully. As he hears about Christ through the preaching of Philip, God softens his heart and he trusts in Christ. And they went on their way talking of Christ, the eunuch asking more questions, and Philip answering them. They come to a certain water, it says in verse 36. And as they went on their way they came to us in unto a certain on the side of this water made the eunuch think about being baptized I think that's interesting here's a man who hasn't long been saved and the first thing he thinks about when he sees water is I need to get baptized now I don't know what has been talking to him about as he's gone along in the chariot but Philip is doing a remarkable job of discipleship here, isn't he? Okay. He told the Ethiopian about the need of the Savior, and that Isaiah 53 is talking about Christ, not another, but he's talking about Christ for himself, but about Christ, and he needs the Savior. But he's also managed to tell him about the need to be baptized, that an act of obedience to God is the act of baptism. And as they go by this certain water, the Ethiopian says, what does it mean to be baptized? You know, it's interesting. He doesn't demand baptism. Nor does he say, Here is water, and here I am resolved, I will be baptized. What he says is, What doth hinder me to be baptized? What doth hinder me to be baptized? He asked the question, What does it require, Philip, for me to be baptized? You've told me about Christ told me about baptism now what is it what's required of me what do I have to do in order that I might be baptized and the answer that Philip gives to him we have some remarkable information about baptism but notice what he says to him first and foremost he says in verse 37 he says and Philip said if they believe with all thine heart they may and he answered and said I believe If thou believest all thine heart. Philip's answer is very informative when it comes to baptism. He says, if thou believest. Now, what's he asked to believe? If thou believest, this doctrine, if you believe what I've just told you about Christ in the book of Isaiah, if thou believe that thou art a sinner and that Christ died for you as a sinner, If they believe the doctrine which I preached unto you concerning Jesus Christ, if you believe and receive the record that God has given concerning his Son, if you believe he's the means of salvation and the only means of salvation, then you may. The only criteria for baptism is that thou believest. That you believe. He answers him he says I believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God he was ready and willing baptized remember in those days that it would have also meant he's ready and willing to cut off from his own religious beliefs to confess Christ I mean he's a proselyte Jew he believes in Judaism and what he is saying is he's is saying that what Judaism offers is not sufficient by salvation Christ and Christ alone is the means of salvation and he trust Jesus Christ and cry alone for salvation he is ready and willing to lay aside his religious beliefs and confess Christ in baptism to him it was an outward sign but it had already taken place in his heart and here is the biblical principle isn't it faith should be accompanied by confession. Go to Romans chapter 10, please. Romans chapter 10. And verse 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in the heart that, Christ, that God has raised him from the dead, thou shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There ought to be a confession of that salvation. The only criteria to be baptized is that you believe. And baptism is simply as just you confessing publicly that you believe. You know, some people won't baptize children because they say they're not old enough. Well, they believe that Jesus is the Christ, they believe have been saved, then they're old enough because the only criteria for baptism is that they believe. You see the pattern for baptism. It's a public confession of faith. You know, baptism, first and foremost, is at the person's request. The Ethiopian says, see here is water, what doth hinder me from being baptized? was at his own request. Nobody cajoled him, nobody forced him, nobody made him. Philip didn't say to him, Philip you didn't stop the chariot and say, stop the chariot, here's some water, you need to get baptized. It was at his own request. That's why we don't do baptism. Because they can't request to be baptized, let alone request to be saved. To take a baby and to baptize that baby is is ridiculous because that baby has not made a profession of faith, nor has that baby made a, a, a request to be baptized. It's simply the parents wanting him to be baptized so that he might be somehow protected when he gets older. And all they've done is put water on the Head of a baby, that's all they've done. It hasn't done anything for the spiritual well being of that baby. Infant baptism cannot be possible because it has to be at their own request. The individuals request to be baptized. And every one of the ones getting baptized requested to be baptized. They all came and asked, could they be baptized? And every one of them got interviewed to check they understand, understood. First and foremost, what it was to be saved, and then secondly, what it was to be baptized. But it was their own request. Nobody went to them and said, You should get baptized. They came of their own free will and requested baptism. Baptism is for those that believe. Because that's what Philip says to the Ethiopian. He says, The only thing that hinders you, if you believe in thy heart, thou mayest. It's not just a head knowledge. But it's our existence of Christ. That's why when somebody comes and requests baptism that one of the first things we get the one talking to them to do is to ask them if they're saved. To explain their salvation to them. And today when we go down the river, one of the questions we'll ask them is, do you know you're saved? And I will ask them, how do you know you're saved? And when they're Little, we don't ask them to give a long testimony. Simply state in a few words how they know they're saved. Where the two teenagers will have to give you a little bit more of a detailed testimony because we expect the ones to be able to give more detailed testimony. But the younger ones, we simply will ask them to testify to the fact that they're saved. We'll also get them to testify as to why they want to be baptized. Because you see, the, the thing that require the thing that with baptism is, it's not only that they request it, but they believe. And that they can testify to that belief. And those being been baptized are baptized upon their own confession of faith. Because that's what he does. He says, and he answers and said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still and they went down, both of them into the water. So he says, what does the hymn being baptized or request baptism? Answers and says, the only requirement is that you believe And he answers and says, I believe. I confess. Salvation comes first, baptism follows. Baptism is a church, it's not a church sacrament. It has saving power. Those getting baptized today will be no more saved today than they were before the the Clarence River. They'll be a little bit colder, a little bit wetter, but they won't be any more saved than they were before they went in. It's not a sacrament. It has no saving power. Only Christ can save. And they will testify back that they believe in Jesus Christ. And because they place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they know they're saved because the Bible says so. Baptism is a public confession of what Christ has done, identifying with him in the waters of baptism. They'll be saying by their baptism today, we identify with Christ he died for us he was buried for us he rose again for us we are saved and we want to testify to that and baptism by immersion in water Verse 38 and 39 says this and he commanded the chariot to stand still and they down both into the water both Philip and the eunuch and he baptized him and when they were come up out of the water the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away Now, caught away Philip and they saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. They both fell into the water. You see, baptism is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As they go down to the water, they'll say that they are identified with the death of Jesus Christ. He died for them. Then, as we put them under the water, they'll be saying they're identified with Christ and his burial. He was buried for them. And as they come out of the water, they'll say, in the resurrection, he rose again. And as they walk in the water, they'll be walking in the newness of, testifying the fact that they now walk in the newness of life, that they are identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he died in their place, was buried, and rose again the third day. And the only way that baptism can picture that is by abortion. It's the only means of baptism that demonstrates the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in picture, which is what God wanted to do through baptism. And so we will go down into the water today, and they will go down under the water, and they'll come up out of the water, and they'll walk towards you as a testimony of the fact identified with Christ and his death upon the cross of Calvary. We will witness the baptism of each of this baptism, and each of these candidates will come up out of the water as a testimony of their identification with Christ. Each one will be on their own testimony of faith. They're coming at their own request. And we'll baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost as a testimony of their identification with Christ. And when they come up out of the water, the picture will be complete. It says in verse 39 the Ethiopian left rejoicing. And I trust today you can rejoice in, this, in your salvation. I trust you know Jesus Christ your Savior I trust you can say with a shadow of a doubt I know when I recognize myself as a sinner before a holy God and I place my faith and trust him and him alone for salvation I know when he saved me I trust today that you can rejoice in the knowledge of your salvation you know when you were saved you know when you came to Christ and trusted him and I trust you'll join with the five today who testify of their faith in the ordinance of baptism, that you rejoice with them as they come out of the water, rejoice in obedience to Him. You know, there's no, there's there's some days that are pretty special in a church's life, and baptism is going to be one of those days. It's always exciting to somebody be baptized. Exciting to see somebody who's willing to hand and say, "I love Jesus Christ enough to identify with Him publicly. I want everyone to know." Say. And it's because of Jesus Christ that I'm here today. We're going to go shortly after we finish the service. We'll make our way down to the river, and these five will testify to what Christ has done for them, and upon their own request and upon the profession of faith, on their own request, we'll baptize them today. And I trust you'll join us, and I trust you'll rejoice with them in their salvation. But I trust you can rejoice today in your salvation. Do you say, I trust so? Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this testimony of the Ethiopian, who when he realized that Christ was the answer, believed in Christ, and then was baptized as a testimony of his identification with Christ, and he left rejoicing. Father, if be anybody here today who doesn't know you as their Savior, please, Lord, convict them with their need before it's eternally too late. And may they be saved even in this day, as some are get baptized, testifying of Christ. May they get saved, so they might Christ. And Lord, as we go and we this baptism, may we rejoice for what You've done to the these five, and what You've done the life in our lives through saving us. Blessed now as we close with the hymn, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.